Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy 2.0, the one true podcast and the only podcast to continuously release episodes weekly for the last at least two years. That's right. Damn straight. There's, if there's nothing else I pride myself on, Matt, is my punctuality. Yeah. Consistency is the key. Consistency. Yeah. You build a base and then you build on that by releasing weekly podcasts. And it's people, the only way come. to do it. It's yeah. the only way to do it. But Chuck, um, I've been checking the numbers. And we've basically been getting zero downloads since sometime in 2018. <laughs> Man, I never said the content was good. <laughs> I just don't know where our fans went. Where did they go? I believe they've forsaken us. They yes. have. We're like Jesus. We've been forsaken. Will no. you leave me too, Peter? <laughs> what a bitch. Everyone's Peter. leaving me. Did Jesus address his penis in such a way in the last moment? So. Yeah, he was like, everyone he fled. It's like, are you going to leave me too, Peter? Peter. And Peter said, yes, Lord. Out of his little urethra mouth. Yes, my God. It's also when he said, get thee behind me. <laughs> what was behind him? Satan. Oh, it was Satan. I thought it was his Peter. Get thee behind me. I'm tired of missionary. Um. So what are we doing? Is this our final episode? Are we, um, are we just going to close down this shop? You actually forgot the punchline. We distracted you so much, you forgot the punchline of the... Uh, podcast oh sorry what what was that you see we've been releasing them regularly but unfortunately oh, yeah. we've only been releasing them to our patreon customers that's right all the patreon customers have been enjoying weekly podcasts plus uh special content only available on the website is is the website still going <laughs> i don't know i never even finished the patreon account so this whole thing kind of backfired over the last couple of years. Well, that would explain the account balance in Patreon. It's, um, let me check. It's zero. Apparently we owe them 50 bucks. <laughs> we owe them money. We have to pay our fans out $1 each for every episode. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> the amount of episodes yeah. released, uh, it's going to be just fine. Nobody listens. Nobody's even there. Is anyone there? No one's there. Does anyone care? No one cares. Who will cry for me, Argentina? Not Argentina. <laughs> That's for sure. Matt wins for the uh, most obscure reference in, <laughs> in the Irreligiosity podcast. Uh, past two years. Oh, yeah. I have the most obscure reference in the past year. Also, the most timely reference in the past, yeah. past two years. Yes. It wins every award for whatever happened in the past two years. All right, Chuck. Um, this is the part of the show where we thank all of our Patreon uh, supporters. And we don't have any. Who do we have this episode? <laughs> we have We have none. 
Damn Instead, it. I'm going to call everybody who hasn't uh, donated. Uh, we've gotten nothing from Leela Civitine. Yeah. Zero. Fuck you. Fuck yeah. you. James Cook, big fat donkey dick. So we got from that guy. That's all right. Uh, Daniel Johnson donated Diddly Squat. Andrea Johnson. Nothing. That that, that hurts my feelings. I know. Andrea Johnson donated a big fat dookie. It came in a flaming paper bag. At least it was something. Well, that's true. She she did send something. Take it. We here at Irreligiosophy would like to thank Andrea Johnson for her giant bag of flaming shit she sent us. Donating, leaving the bag of shit on Matt's porch. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? is I stomped it out because it was on fire, and then I got the joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see what you did. Gotcha. Anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, check back next week to see who else. Didn't donate. Except there's there's a it'll be next week. Never mind. Just trust me. Next week. No, no episode next week. There's a new episode every week. Uh, check back. Don't stop checking. I think or, that's the that's our new tag long tag or, long. <laughs> or ever again, Matt and I decided to keep doing these podcasts. We just won't record them anymore. Yeah. Because fuck you. I thought it was we keep recording them, but we just don't release them. Uh, well, that's what we've been doing <laughs> for like five fucking episodes. Yeah. just haven't edited them. You should just jam all that shit together, release it as one, Six one very episode. confusing episode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good call. Hey, should we uh, start with skunk dicks? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I have none because everything's a skunk dick now. The world is a skunk dick. Life is a sk- it's all a skunk dick. I guess it's an interesting I, philosophical question. If everyone's a skunk dick, can anyone truly be a skunk dick? And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> We're all skunk it's all skunk dicks. Yeah. All the way to, it's skunk dicks all the way down, Chuck. Yeah. 100%. 100% skunk dicks. Every time I look in the news, it's just oh, I can't I can't take it anymore. I just figured, what's the point reading news anymore? There's, it's, we're, we're stuck in some sort of loop of skunk dickedness. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do, man. They're trying to, if they have any plan at all, it's to exhaust <coughs> the shit out of you and make you not care anymore. Then they can just run wild and do whatever the fuck they want. Although, I'm I gotta say. For sure, that's Trump's strategy. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're pretty much running wild and doing whatever the fuck they want anyway, so. Yeah. Well, let's just get to the episode then. Matt, this final episode of Irreligiosity is about uh, Jesus versus Socrates. A cage match between two half-naked ancient uh, men. White men? I'd say white men, but one of them's not. Which one? Dark and Middle Eastern. Is it Socrates? Yes. Yes, I knew it. He's swarthy. That's how the Greeks are. I read that in a book somewhere. Uh, Jesus, though, uh, white as the uh, driven snow. Oh, yeah, that guy's, that guy's straight out of Provo, Utah. He's a missionary. You yeah. shave that guy, and he could fit right in at BYU. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you well, you got to take the dress away. He can't be wearing a dress anymore. 
Oh, that's right. No dress for you, Jesus. Um, before we start, though, Chuck, I hold on. I need to go to the bathroom. Hold on. Oh, for God's sakes. Smallest bladder in the world. I drink liquids. I stay hydrated. Also, alcohol is a diuretic. I'll be right back. Thank <laughs> you. 
Okay. Oh God, that felt great. I'm back. Ugh, I'm ready. God, that was that took a bit though. What are we What are we doing? Uh, I think we're doing Jesus versus Socrates. Oh, that's right. Jesus versus Socrates. We're Who comparing won? and contrasting the life of two dead white uh, men. Ah, uh, this sounds like some sort of really essay. The only thing that's important. Oh yeah, dead white men. Also, living white men. Let's just go with white men. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll take that. Done. Uh, now I gotta go pee though. Hang on. Oh, okay. I'll I'll just wait here. Seems like you could have done that when I was peeing. But...
Okay, man, I'm back. Oh, my oh, God. God, oh, about time. My God. I almost yeah, probably I should have I should have taken care of that before we started the podcast, but. Yeah, you know, but you can't hold it in. That's dangerous. It's uh, medically inadvisable, I would say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Euromycetosis. You get that. It's a real, you poison, yeah. you poison your urethra. Look it up. So, it's dangerous. Anyway, what are we doing? Jesus versus Socrates. Jesus versus Socrates. Um, Matt, uh, Jesus, uh, the most influential fictional character of all time. Never existed. Uh, versus Socrates, uh, a man who professed to know nothing. Then what are we talking about him for? Exactly. I, <laughs> I know Jesus, nothing. Socrates. Well, Go step fuck aside. Yourself. <laughs> Fucking philosopher. Don't you think it's a little arrogant to declare that you know nothing? You have to know something. Matt, You're just... it is the height of humility. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. The height of humility is also the height of arrogance, somehow. It is so humble, <laughs> it reaches into arrogance. Exactly. It's a circle. It goes back. <laughs> or if you get too humble, you become arrogant. So Matt, uh, these these two uh, people, I'm going to just assume for the sake of discussion that Jesus was a man, right? Although I got to say, if we if we redid the did Jesus exist, I'd have to come down on the side of no, he did not. Oh yeah, I'm going to go with Jesus was trans, and I him have... and Mary Magdalene were the same person. I wow. That's a radical hypothesis. I know. But think about it. Makes sense. Maybe. I haven't done the, I haven't graphed it out, but I bet it does. It would explain a great many things. That's right. For example, Jesus bleeding in the Garden of Gethsemane. There you go. That's something that people do. (laughs) Well, Matt, that's pretty much all I have to say. So, uh, okay. Who won, by the way, just so I know? Wait, let's discuss the uh, evidence for their existence. Okay. Now, Matt, Jesus uh, lived around the year zero. Pretty much didn't do shit. I think he talked in the temple once when he was around 12 or so. uh, And then didn't do shit until he was 30. And then uh, went on either a one-year or a three-year wandering around uh, preaching to people, right, Um, about... All the shit he knew. You know, love one another. Uh, believe in shit without evidence. Uh, take my word for it. Blah, blah, blah. Spouting falsehoods such as, I will come again. You know, that, that shit. Yeah. And then he was crucified? And then, uh, yeah, I got into uh, trouble with the government and was uh, apparently crucified. Pretty short um, career. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, one year or three, depending on which Gospels. Uh, Socrates, uh, now again, Jesus didn't write anything, right? He didn't write anything right. himself. Socrates uh, was born, I think, around, what, 469 uh, BCE, uh, lived 70 years, so over twice the amount that Jesus supposedly lived. He was a soldier and then uh, settled down kind of in a, in a life of poverty uh, where in, in the, the Athens of the time, it was kind of assumed that you would move into politics and uh, gather wealth and be successful. He um, kind of embraced a life of poverty and uh, annoyed people for a living. He just hung around typically the uh, Piraeus in the marketplace. And uh, someone said, be like, you know, uh, I think justice is, and Socrates would appear and he'd be like, yeah, that's what you think justice is? Uh, why do you think that? And uh, how about this? And what about that? And then he'd pretty much make him look like an idiot, which the young people of Athens loved, right? They loved him taking yeah. all these uh, guys down a peg. He pawned them. And uh, then, the of course, this got him in trouble with powerful people of the government. And then uh, he was sentenced to die for corrupting the youth yes, and uh, what's well, like spreading falsehoods about the gods or not believing in the gods, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Right? Like blasphemy? Because in ancient times, you don't believe the gods. The gods are going to get angry and punish the city. So you got to, you got to uh, nip that in the bud. That seems pretty thin. Well, you know, basically no one likes Socrates and it was his own fault. <laughs> he was kind of a bastard. So they uh, made him, they made Socrates drink uh, hemlock and uh, by the way, Socrates, uh, as written down by Plato, because Socrates didn't write anything either, right? Jesus didn't write right. anything, probably mostly, probably mostly because Jesus uh, was a fictional character and never existed. Socrates uh, didn't write anything either, um, arguably because he wanted the dialectic. He, he was interested in, in talking back and forth. He wanted this dialogue, right? If you write shit down, you can't dialogue the other person. Right. So uh, wrote nothing down but uh, had a lot of impact uh, on the uh, people who followed him uh, in all of philosophy. He could have escaped. Uh, it's written down by Plato. Uh, he was off, you know, we're, listen, Socrates, we're going to bribe the guards. Uh, no one really cares if you just uh, flee the country and uh, go uh, live your life in exile somewhere else. And he said, nope, can't do it. Uh, I've spent my life trying to improve the uh, soul of Athens and its citizens and uh, uh, if Athens desires to execute me for that, then uh, I would be a hypocrite if I did not agree to it. So, so they um, both, so both Jesus and Socrates went to their deaths willingly, eagerly. Well, even uh, Jesus, kind of a again, kind of a bitch about it, right? He's like, uh, uh, Lord, I'm a, I'm a huge pussy. So, uh, could you please take this cup from me? Uh, and God says no, and Jesus is like, uh, okay, fine. <laughs> Socrates is like, uh, yeah, bring it, bitches. As a matter of fact, Matt, when he was, um, the way it worked in ancient Athens is they bring you uh, in front of the jury, who was like, like five hundred people, uh, all men in Athens, who were paid a certain amount. You know, you'd go and show up and say, I want to be on the jury today, and so they'd have like five hundred people, and uh, so you would plead your case in front of these five hundred people, right? Right. And uh, if they were 500 and so if 251 voted for your death, then you'd be sentenced to die. But there were two phases. So they, they found uh, against him 
And a surprising amount voted for Socrates, and he he thanked them in his uh, it's the Plato's apology, his defense. Thank you. And then um, he uh, said, "Okay, this is the phase where I'm supposed to bring out my wife and my children and have them cry and tell you uh, all this stuff about how terrible it would be if uh, I was executed." Um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, instead, I'm going to propose what I believe should be my penalty, which is you should pay me a stipend and give me uh, a lunch and dinner every day, which is what they did to like war heroes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think instead of killing me, make me a tenured professor. So, <laughs> he's basically giving them, uh, everyone the finger, right? Fuck all right. of you, you assholes. <laughs> and so they sentence him to die. <laughs> You know, when um, I think Jesus, out of all the four Gospels, so what we have for Jesus, the evidence for Jesus is existence. Uh, You have four Gospels, right, and Paul. Now, those four Gospels are really one Gospel because all of them are based on Mark, Uh, even John, right? I mean, Luke and Matthew verbatim strip a whole bunch of Mark and then just add some shit on them. Uh, What John does is what people in the ancient world did more regularly is they take the source and they kind of rework the stories themselves. So it's harder to, to trace where that source came from. Uh, but all of them have Mark. And it turns out now, if you look at Mark, he, it looks like he is mythologizing Paul. So he uh, is taking some of the letters of Paul and he's working it into a historical narrative. So really, uh, as far as evidence, all you have is Paul. <laughs> Paul never met the historical Jesus. He only references a Jesus in heaven, like this uh, vision. Um, You got no uh, contemporaries who wrote about Jesus. You have no eyewitnesses. People who we'd expect that should have written about Jesus, like uh, Josephus, who was a general in uh, the Galilee, one generation after these events supposedly happened, uh, seem completely unaware that anything like this happened. There's two supposed mentions of Jesus and Josephus. Uh, one is just uh, a fraud based on the account of Luke and Jesus' appearance on the road of Emmaus. Uh, that's the testimonium Flavianum. And the other refers to Jesus ben Damnaeus, not Jesus of Galilee. He, Josephus references Jesus ben Damnaeus like a couple paragraphs before. Um, the the only... Ben Damnaeus. What's that? Who the hell is that? Jesus, uh, like he's he's like a uh, like a priest or the son of a priest. So this whole thing was going on where there's some argument about who should uh, succeed the priest and and et cetera, et cetera. So um, the Jesus he's referencing when he says, uh, you know, the brother of Jesus, he's referring to Jesus Ben Damnaeus. Yeah. So the only non-gospel references we have to Jesus occur 100 years after the events in question long enough for these mentions to have originated from people who are familiar not with Jesus himself, but the Gospels, right? Which means we we have Paul alone, and Paul, again, never references a historical Jesus. Now, Socrates, who lived uh, 400 years before Jesus was supposed to have existed, so this is like 469, nearly 500 years before Jesus was supposed to have existed, you would expect that we would have far less about Socrates than we do about Jesus, right? It's four right. intervening years where all this stuff could have uh, burned up, uh, gotten lost, et cetera, et cetera. What we have for Socrates is at least three contemporary accounts, each of which is written by people who knew him personally, right? You have Plato, uh, a student of Socrates, hung out with him. 
Xenophon, uh, who is another um, less smart uh, student. <laughs> he was he was no Plato, <laughs> but he less. was he was uh, Xenophon's big thing is he's a soldier uh, who went on that trip about the march of the ten thousand um, to overthrow the Persian Empire, uh, and uh, they ended up uh, Cyrus was was leading them and he got killed, and so they, these ten thousand Greeks had to march back out of enemy territory. Uh, being beset by all sides. Uh, fascinating literature, but uh, Xenophon's uh, portrayal of Socrates is kind of this uh, pragmatic dude who gives advice about how to run your household. <laughs> Just really, if, if the Socrates of Xenophon were close to the actual Socrates, I don't think we, no one else would ever remember him. Uh, Plato, totally different story. But it, one of these could be said to, to be an enemy attestation, right? Since it makes fun of Socrates. Uh, this is Aristophanes' The Clouds where he, he portrays Socrates as this dim-witted uh, or egg-headed philosopher who's just um, interested in uh, ridiculous shit like uh, how far a flea can jump. And he teaches people terrible things like how to uh, get out of their debts and how and how uh, sons should beat their fathers, <laughs> which was a huge, like, the worst thing you'd do. In, uh, but getting out of debt, Greece. that doesn't sound bad. Well, not uh, paying your debt, but getting out of it, like through using oh, the courts. Oh, like skipping your debt. Okay, I see. Aristophanes mentioned him two more times, once in uh, The Birds and once in The Frogs, uh, two other comedies, um, uh, both of which were negative. Uh, as a matter of fact, when Socrates is uh, telling the audience, right, about why this case was brought against him, he blames Aristophanes more than he blames the people who actually brought the case against him. So he said that you guys were uh, in the audience uh, um, as children or as adults when these plays were done. And uh, you formed your opinion of me really through those plays. And so you were poisoned. Your minds were poisoned by Socrates along, or Aristophanes a long time ago. So you ah. have at least three contemporaneous. Can you imagine having three contemporaneous accounts for Jesus? Two of Jesus's friends and another one who thought Jesus was uh, an asshole all writing around the same time. It would be. I can uh, imagine nothing like that. Without question, that Jesus existed. We we have nothing like that. And again, keep in mind that Socrates lived four hundred and seventy years prior to Jesus. It seems like the there's a consensus that among a lot of scholars, I get maybe they don't want to take a position or something, but that some person named Jesus or Yeshua, or whatever, most likely existed, but just was. Kind of what, like some itinerant preacher that wandered around. And, yeah, I thought and then somebody too. later on was like, "We'll just use this guy," you know. And it seems to be the simplest, most parsimonious explanation, right? If you have something like Mormonism, then you have to have a founder of Mormonism, uh, like Joseph Smith. It just makes sense, yeah. right? If you have Christianity, then there should be a Jesus Christ uh, who started it all. Read Carrier's books, um, Proving History is Good, and um, I think Existence for the, uh, on, the, on the Historical Jesus or on the Historicity of Jesus. They're really they're, they're tough reads, but he goes on to say about uh, a lot of the early documents that we have speak of a Jesus who is a celestial being, right? And so when they say, I found this in the scriptures, they're literally saying, they found this in the scriptures, not that Jesus told them, uh, or they found prophecies. They're saying they found Jesus in the scriptures. Uh, and then um, suddenly, 
Mark comes around and uh, instead of saying, you know, Jesus is going to come, he's going to come, he's going to come, uh, Jesus already came and he lived and here's a story about him. And he's kind of uh, using elements of Homer uh, along with the Greek Septuagint to um, euhemerize Jesus. So you take a myth and you... Euhemerize? Yeah. Euhemerus is a, a Greek philosopher who I believe first came up with this idea where you have this, uh, you have this God named Hercules and you, you hemorize him into a man who's Hercules. He then became a God. Um, so the God comes first and then you, uh, write a story about that God as a person. So, um, the book, the book is really persuasive. Um, he goes through all the Bayesian logic and actually does calculations and in each instance, he gives historicity the maximum benefit of the doubt. And he comes up with a maximum of a one in three chance that Jesus lived. One in three? Yeah. That's not, 30%. That's not bad odds. Not terrible. Not um, the worst. But he, he mounts a very specific uh, case for the mythology, where it came from, where Christianity uh, originated from all the way up until uh, it was euhemerized by Mark. Okay. Uh, so, in brief, that's my current uh, understanding of Jesus. I don't think he existed. All right, so similarities between Jesus and Socrates. Uh, again, they both lived a long time ago. Socrates supposedly from about 470 to 399, and, and Jesus from about maybe 4 BC to 30. Um, Jesus' father was supposedly a carpenter. Uh, Socrates' father was a stonemason. Interestingly enough, hmm, I wonder. I wonder if they stole that. I wonder if Jesus's euhemerizers stole that from Socrates. Jesus spoke to God. Socrates uh, said that he um, he talked to a little uh, demon or diamond uh, that lived inside his head, and this little uh, little demon dude that lives inside Socrates' head never told him to do anything. Right? He just told him not to do shit. So if if this was something that is going to get him in trouble or if it's a, a bad financial move or uh, this and that, because um, he's a soldier also, then that, that diamond would say, hey, don't do that. Yeah. So that's what he says kind of kept him alive. Um, both had disciples. For Socrates, it was mostly some um, powerful people, some rich people. Um, Alcibiades, who's a nephew of Pericles, was uh, once among Socrates' followers. In Plato's Symposium, he gives this great speech about how he loved uh, Socrates. And Socrates, by the way, apparently profoundly ugly. The Greek ideal was to be like the Greek gods, right, who are perfectly symmetric, chiseled uh, specimens of perfect humanity. Socrates was described as having a pug nose, so an upturned nose, kind of a fat face, uh, bulging eyes, uh, that that kind of is a salamander that does that, and they kind of move around. So he was supposedly able to and see newt. straight ahead yeah. as a newt, and like you could see straight ahead and then out of both sides at the same time. Right. Um, profoundly ugly, but the force of his personality was uh, apparently very attractive. So um, mostly for Socrates, it was the youth of the community who wanted to see all of these stodgy uh, people who have kind of uh, built themselves up be torn down chameleon sorry that's that's the thing with the eyes the, the uh, two separate in. eyes yeah gotcha they're gotcha. like crazy looking they're like their own little 
like orb in a socket that moves around in different directions. We touched on anyway. this briefly, uh, but neither uh, wrote anything down. So Socrates seems skeptical of the written word, preferring verbal questioning in a back and forth dialogue. In the Phaedrus, he uh, explains, he who has knowledge of the just and the good and beautiful will not, when in earnest, write them in ink, sewing them through a pen with words, which cannot defend themselves by argument and cannot teach the truth effectually. Um, so he'd rather talk to people. Um, his, you know, the Socratic method uh, is asking questions, right? And, and bringing people to right. a, a wisdom or at least the knowledge that they they don't know anything through effective questioning. For Jesus, it seemed to be any justification, right? Jesus was God, so apparently was literate, right? He, he had the ability to write things down, or even if he wasn't literate, he could have uh, hired somebody to write all this shit down. You know, the fact that he didn't write anything down caused centuries of argument and strife because they didn't have the actual words of Jesus, right? They had to argue about which words were uh, went back to Jesus, and that's still ongoing, right? They still have the uh, societies are like, uh, well, yeah, I think this actually goes back to, uh, I don't think this one does. Still, 2,000 years later. Jesus and Socrates, almost it's, it's almost like it's a metaphor for the two main models of learning, like a didactic versus Socratic method. Yeah, Jesus essentially, here, listen to me and believe what I say. Don't think about it. Yeah. Just accept it. And uh, Socrates, the exact opposite. He's like, I don't have any knowledge to give you. All I have for you are questions. That'd be a tough class. Both were supposedly just men who were unjustly executed by the state. And Matt, perhaps most importantly, both of them had beards. Aha. Uh-huh. And also, Chuck, did you know that Socrates had a secretary named Jesus and Jesus had a secretary named Socrates? It's one of those weird uh, historical so, facts. That's right. And I'm pretty sure that um, their names contain the same amount of letters. Letters. Letters? Indisputable. Indisputable. <laughs> uh, so differences, Matt. Jesus was supposed to know everything, right? Uh, Socrates right. claimed to know nothing. So the story goes that the Oracle of Delphi, um, one of Socrates' friends, went up to the Oracle and said, Who's the wisest man in all of Greece? And the Oracle said, Socrates. And he came back and told Socrates, like, what in the hell? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't know anything. So he asks around in Athens, and he finds out that no one else knows anything either, but they claim to know something. So he, he knows more than them, right? Because he's uh-huh. the one who knows that he knows nothing. Jesus had supernatural powers. He could uh, walk on water. He could uh, turn water into wine. He could raise stinky Lazarus from the grave after four days because he was a dick and and waited around for four days just to make sure he was dead. Exactly. The only supernatural power Socrates had, uh, well, he was uh, resistant to cold, like the fellow soldiers noticed um, that he wasn't seemed to be bothered by cold or hunger. But um, my the most impressive supernatural power he had was that in one of the dialogues, one of his students wakes him up because Protagoras, the famous uh, sophist, is coming to town to speak. And he wakes him up, and he's like, well, is he here? No, he's not going to be here for a few hours. And the ability not to get upset at that moment, I think, was 100% supernatural. <laughs> he said, all right, fine, let's walk around a little bit. I'm like, oh, come on. I need on. that power. <laughs> come on. That's impossible. I need, that. I need it. Uh, if Jesus did exist, Matt, he did not seem to impress anyone around him 
uh, during his entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Not a single contemporaneous account of his life, only stories written decades later. Again, as we talked about, Socrates had no less than three accounts by people who knew him personally, Plato, Xenophon, and Aristophanes. Um, The the Clouds uh, was written in 423 and was performed, I believe, in the same year while Socrates was still alive and in the audience. So Aristophanes is making fun of Socrates uh, while he's sitting in the audience. Ah. Aristophanes, kind of an asshole. Uh, Plato (laughs) made fun of Aristophanes in the symposium. Uh, He comes in, he can't stop hiccuping. Um, It matters uh, very much whether the things written about Jesus are true and accurate. They actually go back to Jesus, right? Uh, If it doesn't, then you've undercut your argument. If they do, if they actually go back to Jesus, then all that's left is interpretation, because if Jesus said it, it's 100% right. Uh, He's God. He knows everything. He can't argue with it. For Socrates, it doesn't matter whether anything we read about Socrates actually goes back to Socrates. doesn't matter. Socrates is just a man, right? For Jesus, it's all about the person, who he was, and whether he was God or whether he had a direct communication line of God to God. For Socrates, it's all about his ideas. It doesn't matter if Socrates did exist or not. His ideas are there whether the man existed or not, whether he's a fictional character or whether he actually exists. That's very interesting. But I need... I need to take another pee break. Holy shit. I'll be right back. about fucking time. Oh, I'm back, Chuck. What did I miss? Uh, I finished the podcast while you're back. Uh, really oh, good job. Who won? Nothing more to say. Uh, Jesus did. He's omnipotent. Uh, oh, that's right. But Socrates has the power of questions. Power of questions. <laughs> I take it back. That's his supernatural power. Ah, I knew it. All right, Matt, uh, faith versus reason. This is probably the single most fundamental difference between these two, quote, people. Yes. The best example, turn the other cheek, right? Jesus just pronounces it, and uh, it's backed by nothing other than Jesus' authority, right? Hey, uh, I'm God, or I'm a really smart preacher, so I say turn the other cheek and just fucking do it. Accept it. Uh, Socrates argued the same thing, right? But he backs it up with argument. Uh, There's an entire case laid out in the Republic uh, for why a just man should never endeavor to harm anyone, right? This is 400 years earlier than Jesus' turn the other cheek. So there's a a, uh, logical argument that proceeds in stepwise fashion through these questions, uh, and you finally arrive at the conclusion not the proclamation or pronouncement or, you know, accept this on faith, but through logic and reason, you conclude that a just man should never harm anybody else. So uh, Jesus is accept all my pronouncements by faith versus Socrates. Uh, use your brain, right? Yes. 
So as a subset of this, you can see what happens uh, in each of their followers. So Jesus couldn't be wrong, right? So his, his followers argue incessantly over uh, not only what he said, but how to correctly interpret what Jesus said. Um, and then they tried to convince others to just follow their interpretation of Jesus's ideas. Um, still going on fucking 2,000 years later, still going on today. For Socrates, uh, who emphasized critical reasoning and a devotion to uncovering truth, uh, his followers criticized Socrates' thinking process, and they attempted to correct what they saw as errors um, in his reasoning to try to get closer and closer to the truth. And this is still going on today. Someone said uh, all of philosophy consists of footnotes to Plato. It's uh, a long conversation that was started by either Socrates or Plato, it doesn't matter who, and, and there are reactions to that and attempts to correct um, what they see as errors, and then the next generation will try to uh, do the same thing, right? So Plato attempts to shore up errors that he thought Socrates made. Aristotle attempts to shore up Plato, uh, Plato's own errors, uh, and on and on until you get closer and closer, hopefully, to the truth. So what you have is a legacy of battles and wars over what Jesus said and, and what the correct interpretation was, or uh, Socrates followers who just question and question and question in a relentless attempt to get closer and closer to the truth. I see. Oh, God, I thought I lost you again. No, I'm that, still I here. just was talking over and over and long and long. And... <laughs> I'm just paying rapt attention. Well, I, also, wanted... I was looking up Alfred North Whitehead. Yes. Al Alfred White Northhead? Alfred North Whitehead. Thank you. Alfred North Whitehead. The safest general characterization of the European philosophical tradition is that it consists of a series of footnotes to Plato. That is it. Ah, I found it. I don't know if I fully agree with that, but uh, its overarching point is correct that uh, Plato kind of put everything on the table and uh, everyone else is kind of reacting uh, to those initial well, is it, arg arguments and dialogues. Arg and, is it, and he, um, he talked about the problem of knowledge. He talked about uh, ethics. He talked about justice. He talked about politics. Um, talked about beauty, love. I mean, just about every philosophical argument you can trace all, all the way back to Plato. Isn't philosophy just one long argument through the years? Just with more and more people popping up. One long dialectic, you could say. Yeah, yeah. Ongoing That's... dialogue. Um, again, in an attempt to get closer and closer to the truth. Uh, Christians don't give a shit about the truth. Um, they just uh, give a shit about uh, how to keep themselves in power, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I think they, they're concerned about the truth, but they just make their truth. Declare their truth. That's the truth. And then they move on. If they were really they, concerned, they don't have to it. think about it. If they were really concerned about the truth, they wouldn't be fighting against all this scholarship, right? I mean, I suppose I'm talking about evangelical Christians who uh, do not give a shit about uh, whether Jesus was historical or not, right? He's historical. That's it. Done. Yeah. Uh, it's exemplifying the people who say, like, look, if the King James English was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. They just have their own fucking, well, they know what they know, and don't argue with them. Don't bring up any facts. 
the King James version was good enough for Jesus? I believe that was a Texas politician who said that, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, Texas. That makes sense. I wanted to briefly go on about their criticism of governments, because uh, Socrates, through Plato, criticizes bad regimes in the Republic, right? Yeah. I, he lists, I think, democracy is the best of the bad regimes, but it's still a bad regime. He believes that democracy is too egalitarian. It gives people who don't deserve it uh, power that they shouldn't have. That gives them too much. Like, it gives really dumb people an equal say as really smart people, right? Or let's, uh, how about people who have not researched in depth these things that they are talking about? They have the exact same vote as people who have researched and spent hours and hours, right? So right. too egalitarian. He uh, argues that the main virtue of democracy is freedom uh, and its citizens resist constraint and authority. And uh, the result is citizens who are not well-educated and therefore subject to uh, the whims of rhetoric. So they're, they're uniquely susceptible to rhetoricians and demagogues who come and they promise them the world and, and take advantage of them. Inevitably, then, democracy leads to the rise of the demagogue who turns the democracy into a tyranny. And uh, we may be seeing that right now in our democracy. Shut your face. <laughs> yeah, we are. Un uniquely susceptible to even idiotic demagogues, right? I, I hope that when Athens went under uh, after the Peloponnesian War, uh, the, the people who were demagogues in Athens that kind of led them into ruin, the Alcibiades who, who got them to go into the uh, Sicilian expedition, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I would hope they weren't absolute buffoons like the demagogues are today. <laughs> I mean, you can't listen to Trump for more than 30 seconds without coming to the profound and unalterable conclusion that he's an absolute moron. 30 yeah. seconds. Again, you, you're a hero. <laughs> I can't, I can barely get through like three words. A ridiculous anymore. amount of I, power. I can't listen to him at all anymore. It's just, I can't do it. It's so hard. As soon as it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a butter knife, like scraping across my brain. It's just, why a butter knife? I don't know. Uh, that makes it sound smooth. It's not smooth. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what did Jesus think about governments, right? Well, Jesus uh, loved government. He was pro-government. As an apocalyptic no, preacher. He believed Sorry, he was a Republican, so he was for small government. <laughs> and <Sorry>. guns. Small <laughs> government you. and big guns. Uh, believe that all human institutions were about to end as God rushed in paradise, right? So you might as well just live under your current rule. Why change shit? Right? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Paul says in Romans 13, all of you must obey the government rulers. Everyone who rules was given the power to rule by God, and all those who rule now were given that power by God. So anyone who's against the government is really against something God has commanded, right? Same thing Peter says in, in 1 Peter. Uh, two thirteen to fourteen. Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake for every to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him. Doesn't matter. They don't give a shit whether the. I think it's maybe taken for granted that the government is evil or uh, malign or whatever. But they're you know hey you know just submit yourselves. It's that's what God wants. Yeah, do it. So winding up, I, I would like to point out that uh, the death of of Socrates and I think the. Fido 
where they're talking about the immortality of the soul. People are around Socrates. They're all crying. And they, they ask, you know, when you're finally executed, since you won't uh, run away, what do you want us to do with your body? And Socrates laughs. And I believe it's the only time in all the dialogues of Plato where Socrates laughs. He's, you know, always like ironic, uh, making little jokes here and there and saying like, oh, you know, you're so wise. I don't know what to do. You know? uh, but he never laughs until he's talking about his own death. He's, he says, he laughs, he says, the hell do I care what you do with my body? The soul is left. Doesn't matter, right? This is just a husk. Right. Can you remember a single time when Jesus ever laughs? Jesus, uh, he cried once. Yeah, Jesus wept. And Yeah, did he ever, that would have been, did he ever guffaw? Did he ever I turtle? I, I can't uh, even imagine him guffawing. <laughs> what kind of joke would Jesus find funny? Did he ever, like, spit milk out his nose? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, in order to la like laugh like that, I think you have to find something surprising. And as a, an omnipotent rule of the universe, he can't ever be surprised. So I guess, I guess he would never laugh. He just weeps. Although, why well, would you cry if you already know everything in the universe too? What what now is making you cry? Yeah, maybe he got something in his eye, like onion. He was chopping onion. Jesus yeah. wept. That that was yeah. It must have been preceded by. Jesus chopping onions. Good call. Socrates also says in uh, the Apology, as he's uh, arguing for his life in front of the crowd of people, the jurors, that the unexamined life is not worth living, that famous phrase. I guess, you know, with Jesus, they just Jesus just cares about your sins, right? You just got to pray and get forgiveness for your sins, and you'll be judged at the bar. But uh, as far as examining your life, not really all that important. You just need to root out sins. Socrates' entire job is to make people examine themselves, look into their souls, what is wrong, what can be improved, and improve that in there. So that's why, that's why you need to examine your life, ruthlessly examine it. The final words of Jesus and uh, Socrates are uh, fairly instructive. The last words of Jesus, um, there's a bunch of them, right, depending on what uh, gospel you use. In Mark and Matthew, the last words of Jesus are, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he's kind of crying again. Yeah. In Luke, I don't think Luke really liked that very much. It's too kind of sad and panicky. He says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Right? Uh, both of those are stolen from the Psalms, just different Psalms. But in, in Luke, he's, he's just a lot more, you know, calm and collected. Hmm. Uh, in John, he says... It is finished. It is finished. It's a bold statement there. Do you know what the last word of Socrates was? Were? Were, I guess? Were. What the last words were? Suck it, bitches! No? Pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, last words of Socrates is he, so he's now taking the hemlock. He's got up, walked around. He feels his legs getting heavy and then numb, and so he lies down. And they can feel this numbness kind of moving up his body, and eventually it'll hit, and he'll stop breathing. His heart will stop. His last words were, Crito, I owe Asclepius a cock. A cock? Yeah. Probably the most badass last words ever. I'm going to say, what? <laughs> 
What does really that mean? To, do I really want to explain that or we just leave it be? Because it's such a such a great saying. Crito, I owe Asclepius a cock. Like a chicken? Yeah, it's a rooster. So Asclepius is the god of healing, right? And if uh, you were healed of some malady, uh, then you were supposed to give Asclepius a rooster. Oh, Asclepius is the... Uh, it's not somebody... It was the god of the... Not some dude in Athens. It's the god of uh, medicine and healing. Yeah, yeah. So if you were sick, you'd spend the night in a temple and blah, blah, blah. You know, you'd you'd give this, you'd be healed the next day and you'd give a rooster to the priest. That's right. Um, So Socrates probably is, is, um, you know, when in the uh, Republic, the the, the parable of the cave, where the um, philosopher escapes the cave with all the shadows in it, and actually goes out into reality, and he sees the sun, right, for the first time, and uh, he actually sees no longer shadows, but everything uh, real as it actually exists, then goes back down into the cave and tries to get the rest of these people who are chained to the, the these chairs and are forced to see the shadows, um, and they accept that as reality. Uh, he tries to convince them that there's actually the sun, the pure good, and, and he and tries to convince them of that reality. Socrates has spent his entire life trying to do this for Athens, and now finally he can go join the good and uh, cease his uh, relentless efforts. He's done everything that he possibly could, so he, he'll give Asclepius a rooster because he has cured him of the malady of uh, his uh, physical existence, I guess. Aha. Uh-huh. So, again, in the battle of last words, definitely Socrates beats out shit that Jesus just ripped off from the Old Testament. I mean, come on, you fucker. Be original! <laughs> so, Matt, that, um, that yeah. winds it up. Since this is our last episode... Last episode ever? These will be our last words. So what do you want your final words at Irreligiosity to be? You can't just spring that on me. Come on, Matt. Uh, I... I... The... Balls. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ, that sums it up perfectly. <laughs> perfectly. Also penis. I <laughs> Vagina. I I don't have last words. I have a last rant. Rant away. <clears throat> uh, no, I guess I guess those are my last words. <laughs> you gotta stop. You gotta stop with your last words. You can't like go on. You can't like do your last words and then be like, "Wait, I I I want to make an addendum." And oh crap, I forgot what I was going to say. Now this is now that's my last words. Yeah, because because then you died. Wait, I got something else. That (laughs) I have something very important. (laughs) Wait, wait! I thought of something better. (laughs) That that's that's the best one. I got I got a better one. (laughs) those are my final words (laughs) I just thought of something better to say Uh, I'm I'm searching through the best last words on Google right now and I'm not really impressed by any of these yeah my critique of of, you know we've spent the entire existence of irreligiosity critiquing Jesus and and religions Uh, my critique of Socrates is for all he was worshipping the truth in um, Plato's Republic, uh, if it is indeed a true reflection, and who knows any of this stuff, any of these dialogues, if it's a true reflection of Socrates, uh, Socrates and Plato both advocate a noble lie, which is to tell the in, 
inhabitants of the perfect city that they are they were born by the city itself the city's their mother uh you don't want to tell them the truth because you know if if they their allegiance then would be to their parents and not to the city you want you want all the people to be uh their first allegiance to the city i would say there's no such thing as a noble lie and he also advocates for censorship of the arts and poetry and it's understandable given the fact that they're in the middle of a civil war right that's probably brought on primarily by uh, an overdevotion to the epics of homer and these these concepts of honor and battle and and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, censoring, I think, is never the right idea. It's, it's, it's tough. A freedom of speech is uh, probably one of the most important things in uh, democracy. I think it's easily perverted, as again, we're seeing now, right? I mean, there are entire uh, organizations devoted to uh, making posts on Twitter and Facebook to fuck up our... Uh, elections. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think the answer to that is, is censorship. I would say that uh, if you want a religion and you, you want to worship something, then for fuck's sake, worship the truth. Your highest devotion ought to be nothing other than discovering the truth. That's your last words? They were my final words until you asked me a question. And now, unfortunately, these are my final words. <laughs> I ruined your last words. Fuck you, Wakefield. Your final word, Matt, does it have anything to do with Asclepius and a cock? Um, sort of. If it doesn't, it's not as cool as Socrates. Oh, no. My my final words are way too meandering and weird and not short and cool to the point. Like, <laughs> like the, what was that quote about the cock? I know we just talked about it. But... Crito, I owe Asclepius a cock, I think. Oh, that was the it. final words. I do mention cocks in my final word, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time's a cock. Let's hear the final words of Matt Wakefield, Esquire. Well, I, I don't really know what to say, Chuck. I came on this podcast uh, kind of as a joke. Like, how many years ago? Like, five? Five years ago? Six years Matt, ago? Matt, it has been eight long years. With me? Uh, maybe seven. Because we oh, stopped the podcast yeah. 2011, right? When did we restart it? 2012 or 13? You might be right. Five, six years ago. Yeah. Well, I just was like playing along. Uh, And then things went. Well, wait, everybody knows the story. I'll just say things went awry. And then uh, and then you wanted to finish up with a review of that book. What was that book? Um, What means truth? What the truth means to you? I think it was called. No, I don't know. And Jesus was like, eh. (laughs) <laughs> truth truth but truth. then something happened chuck people actually wanted more i have no idea why and i'm pretty sure at the time that they just wanted you and i was just an annoyance and really i it never was, really stopped being one but that series of four podcasts was so wildly successful the people clamored for yes. more. yes but i was having fun and apparently somewhere out there a few people just kept listening I don't know. Women, women throwing panties in your face. It's mayhem. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was masochism, spite, just hate, just hate listening. But you know what? They welcomed me and Chuck, uh, mostly. There were some calls <laughs> for return of the previous host. In no small part, I think because my coming on this podcast also seemed to kind of coincide with that uh, schism, if I may, within the atheist community. 
It was all started by one person, apparently, suggesting that maybe, maybe you shouldn't pick up a girl's in an elevator. And the, and everything went to shit. <laughs> Everybody lost their the goddamn minds. suggestion is out, as outrageous today as it was way back then. Yes. That really rammed the point home to me that um, for some people, uh, atheism was, wasn't anything more than a definition, you know? And that there's a lot of sexism in a community that I hope was above that kind of thing. Uh, I thought they were smarter. I thought they were better than that. But turns out we're all just as disgusting as any paternal religion out there. And just the mere suggestion of being decent and thoughtful sent a lot of people flouncing the fuck out of here. Which was, well, that was okay. <laughs> the suggestion was outrageous. It was outrageous. And I, I also want to say... I, I, I was a member of a few other atheist groups online. Um, I was I ended up being really disappointed in all of them, how many outspoken, massive dicks there were. But I've been really impressed, honestly, by the quality of people in our own little Facebook group. Uh, what are you talking thoughtful? about? We This podcast was started by two massive dicks. I know. And continued by two, well, one other Close. massive dick in conjunction with the first massive dick. Yeah. But apparently the people who listen to this podcast are much better people than us. <laughs> oh, I guess that's not hard. That's not, that's a low yeah, bar. Yeah, I mean, it's a low bar. So. But they're thoughtful, they're respectful, they're funny. Uh, it's been a true community. It's been an honor to even get to know some of these people. I've had breakfast with some of these people. Chuck, have you? Well, that's what you get for hanging out on Facebook. You deserve every bit of that. Well, you know, these people are smarter than me. They're better than me. And they're really, really, really very nice. Uh, so what can I say? I can say thank you. Thank you, Chuck, for letting me be part of this. Thank you, everyone, for listening, being kind, tolerating my stupidity, my stupid humor, and my corners of useless boring information, and my general unpreparedness, and uh, all the drinking, of course. Uh, let me, let me, so let me explain. No, wait, there's too much to explain. Let me sum up, Chuck. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm waiting for the pithy last words that will be eminently quotable. Here it is. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck this shit. Fuck you. Fuck penis. Fuck podcasting. Fuck religion. Fuck Catholic priests and their predilection for choir boards. Fuck life. Fuck a job. Fuck a career. Fuck a family. Fuck a fucking big television. Fuck washing machines, cars, compact displays, electrical tin can openers. Fuck good health, low cholesterol, dental insurance. Fuck fixed interest mortgage payments. Fuck a starter home. Fuck your friends. Fuck leisure wear, matching luggage. Fuck a three-piece suit on a higher purchase and a range of fucking fabrics. Fuck DIY and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Fuck sitting on that couch watching mind-numbing, spirit-crushing game shows stuffing fucking junk food into your mouth. Fuck rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in a miserable home. Nothing more than an embarrassment to the selfish, fucked-up brats you've spawned to replace yourself. Fuck your future. Fuck life. And, of course, penis. Matt, I'm surprised. That sounds unexpectedly nihilistic. Everything in there was 100% non-plagiarized in true nihilistic fashion. And fuck nihilism. Fuck nihilism. That's, that's, that's too much passion for nihilism, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be kicked out of the group. Yeah. We, we hate everything, even nihilism. Well, not that. My last words are simply this, Matt. I, we started the podcast because religion was a scourge on humanity. We came, we came probably more than once. I think at least once on air. Yeah. We saw a bunch of Quite shitty religions. <laughs> and we conquered all of them. 
fortunately, since we began our podcast, religion has no longer become a threat, and uh, it's dying out every year. I, I believe uh, the phrase is, we pawned them all, Chuck. Pwned or pawned? Pwned? We might have pwned, pwned them, too. What do the, what do the young people say? Uh, I don't know. I'll, go, I'll try to find one and ask one. But. So we conquered, and I think our job here, I'd love to continue, Matt. I, I love these podcasts. Uh, I look forward to doing them every week. But I yeah. think we've just uh, kind of uh, defeated everything. With yeah, it's all With our irresistible logic and reason and rationality. So we can pretty much wrap up the podcast. I mean, Chuck, the the true reason the podcast is ending is really the lack of funding we received on Patreon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's severely really, disappointed. Yeah. Not one cent on Patreon. Yeah. Not, not a one. single supporter. So that's it. Thanks. Thanks for nothing, everyone. What did Tiny Tim say at the end of uh, Christmas Carol? I don't know. I believe... And I, I believe I'm quoting this verbatim. God fuck us all, everyone. So when we decided to end the show, we put out a call to all of our devoted fans and listeners to uh, send us a recording about how the show impacted them or just to say goodbye. Miraculously, we received a recording from every single one of our listeners. And here they are. As the original Irreligiosophy fan, I would like to say good riddance. Hey Chuck, hey Matt. Just wanted to say thank you so much for all the hours and hours of entertainment. I actually discovered Irreligiosophy right after version 2.0 started up, and I've enjoyed it thoroughly ever since. Hope that everything goes well in the future, and I guess that's it. Bye! Hi guys, this is Susan Kemp. You might recognize my name from the Facebook group where I make snarky comments, or you might not, but you should because I'm amazing. God, I, I've been listening to this podcast since like 2010, I think it was. I just had to think about it and it hurt my brain, but I did it. I was in college. I went to art school because I'm stupid. And um, I was taking this color theory class, which literally was like coloring pieces of paper over and over and over again, like trying to get different hues and tints and you guys don't give a shit. But um, I needed a podcast or something and this was the early days of podcasts so I think I looked up philosophy and this is what came up kind of a stretch I mean I guess I guess they took it more seriously in the olden days um but yeah it it was it was something that I I just like listened to like for 12 hour stretches while painting and shit and I kind of grew up intellectually with it, which sounds horrifying now, of course, but, um, but I did like, cause like a lot of people who got into the show, I used to, 
I grew up sort of in a Christian faith. Like I actually originally went to a Christian college. I transferred after a year because I was like, fuck this. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I was coming out of that. So I guess you find camaraderie in the early episodes um, because there's not a lot of people you could talk to 10 years ago about like being ex-religious. I think it's far less taboo now. But just because I was in college and all that, like, I think my political views were shaping and my views on the world were shaping. So I kind of grew up with this podcast and, and I know that sounds horrifying, but I think it's true. And thankful to say I can read on my own now, I not just Wikipedia, but other books and periodicals. So Maybe I don't need you as much anymore, Chuck and Matt and Leiden or whatever. Should I even mention him? Like, maybe I don't. Maybe this is actually all about me, Susan Kemp. And now that I am able to discern information on my own and argue with skunk dicks on my own, we can we can rest in peace. I, I think that sounds good. But I hope the Facebook group keeps going. One thing I would like to add is um, I like how in the Facebook group and with the tone of this podcast, it's always been pretty irreverent and snarky and um, not politically correct. And and I almost hate saying that because, you know, obviously I'm a liberal. So um, usually when people are against political correctness, they're like conservative dickwads that like want to like be racist um but I I don't know I'm, I'm sort of like a gamer too I grew up in this culture where to show your like affection for your friends you like rag on them constantly which is what we do in the Facebook group and what this show has always done it's been very self-deprecating and and it's just like a humor I've always really vibed with because that's how I've always talked to my friends like, hey, dipshit. And now I actually moved to Europe and people here are even better at it. They're like, oh, he's German or like, of course, he's retarded. He's in Norwegian, you know, like and it's like I just appreciated that the podcast provided a space where where I could talk like how I talk, but also kind of like think about nerdy things like epistemology or whatever. Okay. That's it. I don't want to bore you. I should have just ended it there because I was at 4 fucking 20, but I didn't. Well, anyway, now that I am old and mature, we can we can end this podcast in peace since, like I said, this was all about me. I'll see you on Facebook, guys. Bye. Hi, Chuck and Matt. Uh, bittersweet moment. The end we knew was coming is here. But you guys are leaving behind a really amazing body of work, and I hope you're both really proud of it. And uh, I just want to say thanks for letting us say goodbye. There were a lot of great memories. Hoven's dissertation, debates with the evidence for faith dorks, everyone getting banned by Kirk Hastings, except Matt, of course. Pacti and Inchel, God rest their souls. I hope you don't plan on taking the episodes down anytime soon. Because as long as I'm listening to podcasts, I'll be listening to irreligiosity reruns. Except Leighton's Hindu episode, obviously. Thanks. Take care, guys, both of you. Bye.
That's the theme music. I think it sounds like. <laughs> you know, you don't don't put this in the episode. <laughs> That's where you put the theme music. In. <laughs> no, I think I'll just take capture that and use it as our <laughs> intro and outro. Oh well, let me do it all over. Religiosity, philosophy, philosophy. Oh wow, that was like pitch perfect. I know.